Hey, it's a me, Mario. Love Channel 101, but hate looking at shit? Try Frequency 101. All you gotta do is record an audio pilot, make it five minutes or less, and submit it to... Submissions at Channel101.com! The listening audience will vote for the favorites, Mamma Mia, and the top five shows will return next month. And don't worry, it's all audio, so you won't have to look at any flop dongs. Frequency 101, you won't have to look at any dicks or buttholes. You are listening to Primetime Flies, a Channel 101 podcast where time flies and we talk with all sorts of Primetime Channel 101 and Frequency 101 people, creators, writers, actors, directors. And the point is to get to know these wonderful people and we'll learn more about their craft, certainly their relationship with Channel 101. And I'll use my time to shower them with much deserved appreciation, affection and gratitude for their work. Channel 101 and Frequency 101 will both have a live stream digital screening on Saturday, the 29th of January. Follow at Channel 101 Official and bookmark twitch.tv slash Channel 101 Official and tune in, cast your goddamn votes. It's going to be a rocking good time, everyone. Speaking of Frequency, tomorrow, Monday the 24th, you can hear the Frequency 101 podcast for January 2022 with its five returning shows and four new pilots. This gives you almost a whole week to repeat, listen, and gestate with your voting options. This is the Frequency 101 podcast. Find it on Apple, Spotify, all the things. Links in the episode notes for Primetime Flies. By the way, listen to the Patreon podcast, Surfing Through Time, and support Channel 101 at patreon.com slash channel 101. That's all I got to say. Oh, and again, with links provided in this podcast episode notes, uh, you can find a link to the Frequency 101 SoundCloud. That's soundcloud.com slash Frequency 101 official. And there you can brush up on all the returning shows' prior episodes. It'll jack you up. Speaking of returning shows, on the podcast for today's episode, Sunday, Jan 2-3, I was delighted to speak with a young man the Frequency 101 are responsible for creating the show The Complete History of Dodgeball, an audio-only mockumentary. He'll better tell you all about it. I say uh, it was occasionally like talking to a self-deprecating mirror in the sense that I'm... Uh, you'll hear it. Aaron, if you're listening, humility is one thing, but stop hitting yourself. You're an excellent creative and podcast guest. Back me up on this, listener. With what? With this, my conversation with... Aaron Ruska. Every day it's what, like 2,300 new cases and rising? Yeah, it's it's a big mess uh, for sure. Yeah, I live in Eastern Oregon and everyone thinks, oh, you live in Oregon. So you live like, so it's like Portland and all the cool stuff. It's like you go to Portland and then drive three hours away from all the cool areas and that's where I'm at. So, uh, you know, I live right smack in the middle of trump country so oh, <laughs> so we're not we're not doing any shutdowns so everything is going to be open and it's going to stay open no matter what which i think is for my profession that that's a blessing but for the way that COVID's going it's it's a kind of a curse so <laughs> I, yeah i can imagine that's difficult 
This isn't like the talk show where we do like great research on where you're from. <laughs> I know two one oh oneers and a blockbuster are there or from there. <laughs> Let's start off with by talking about Dodgeball. Okay. You do this frequency one oh one show called Dodgeball or the complete history of Dodgeball by Ben Kearns. Ben Kearns, yes. <laughs> Ex- explain what it is for the one-on-oneers who haven't made their way to hear it yet. Uh, well, first of all, if you have not made your way to Frequency One-on-One, you're missing out on some really creative stuff. Um, I highly recommend checking out just all of Frequency One-on-One. Um, basically, it's kind of this mockumentary format. I, I kind of based it on Ken Burns, kind of NPR sort of thing. And it's basically going through uh, the history of Dodgeball. Of course, uh, I try to sprinkle in some real history uh, and then just make up the rest. So uh, that's kind of my elevator pitch for dodgeball. So there it is. <laughs> dodgeball is is nothing if not the the camera taking a look at America's history or something. I don't yeah. know. I just, <laughs> but I love it because some of my favorite comedy is when it's done earnestly and without yeah. jokes. And I figured yes. that's am I am I hitting something on some sort of head? Oh, absolutely. No, I, I think. Um, what we try to do, uh, all of us, is let the absurdity of the words kind of speak for themselves. If you kind of go in with them with a wink and a smile, like "Look how wacky we are," it's not going to work. But if you come up with a deadpan, like if you believe every single word of it, then the absurdity just speaks for itself. Yeah, yeah. You do a lot of writing. I'm not sure how far back, like making content like this, goes for you, but. I, I stalk you on it on social media, so I know that you have, you have scripts in the works. Yeah. Um, so how far how far does all this go back with you? I have uh, I've been I've really loved writing pretty much my entire life, and I've kind of had a knack for it since I was a little kid. I had this idea in my head that I was going to end up being a writer, like novelist or or something like that. Script writing was never really the thing; it was just kind of. I saw the opportunity when I, when I was more exposed to channel 101, that this might be something I could do, but I've always loved it. And when I was in high school, I would get all these writing assignments. Every time I get a writing assignment, I was just giddy because I get to uh, just kind of tool around and mess around and stuff. And um, I didn't really think it would turn into anything. Um, Eventually I got into education and I'm, I'm a fourth grade teacher and I've been doing that for several years. I think what I like about 101 is you know, there's the competition aspect of it, but there are really no stakes. Yeah. <laughs> so I know so many people who get into one-on-one as a, as a way to springboard a career in, in the entertainment industry and, and, you know, more power to them. But I just don't think I have the constitution for all that. <laughs> so it allows me to just kind of get that. It allows me to kind of scratch that creative itch uh, in a way that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go broke if, if, <laughs> if it doesn't work out. So it's something I've always loved. And, you know, that's just kind of, I have to apologize. I feel like I'm probably going to be the least interesting person you've interviewed so far. <laughs> You're interesting to me. <laughs> That's very kind. You have to excuse me. This is my very, very first podcast of anything. So if I seem like I'm completely off my rocker here, this is right. just <laughs> If it helps you, it it helped me the most if anyone who comes on the podcast forgets that we're doing a podcast yeah. until I say, <laughs> I think it's time to wrap up. But for me, the reason I do a podcast is is so that I can have a reason to justify having us look at each other and talk to each other and get to know yeah. each other for an hour. And I, and I am looking forward to that. That's the one thing I was like, you know, I finally get to talk to Todd. And so we yeah, have yeah. this back and forth on Instagram about the Beatles and everything. And now we finally get to have a conversation. That's right. That fucking, that get back documentary was 
everything I would hope to be in more, even after like years of seeing a lot of footage over and over again. Yeah. Like there was literally, you could verify this for me, but in the Beatles get back, both in the way it happened and the way it was weaved, it had a fucking narrative. It had a full yeah. story circle round. It like it had rises and peaks and valleys. And when you see them at the, I'm sorry, spoiler alert, but they perform <laughs> on the rooftop. But when you see them on the rooftop after all that arg- arduous shit, if yeah. there's something supernatural or superhuman about the energy that comes out of when they're going for broken, we're playing together on this rooftop. They really pull it together and you didn't, you go through all this stuff and you don't believe that they can do it. No matter how many times you've heard the album and the way it happens is like, uh, I, I might have to cut all that out, but like it, it, <laughs> I swelled up inside on that climax. One thing I kind of took away from that was how the kind of, how the creative process works for them. And they have to do these songs over and over and over. And they just, you know, you see them doing funny voices and you see them doing like singing through their closed teeth and kind of gritting through it and everything, just because they've had to, they've had to play these songs over and over and over in order to perfect them and get them right. And they're probably tired of playing of them. And and it blows my mind because these are some of the greatest pop songs ever written. It's that same thing though. If I kind of felt that way with, with dodgeball sometimes where I, I work on it and I read it over and over and over again. I'm like, is this, is this even good? Like, I don't even know. I just know that I've seen it so many times that it just kind of stops the sort of shock or, or creative, you know, impulse that makes me write something after a while. I just kind of think to myself, okay, I've seen this a million times. The shock has kind of worn off. Yeah. I suppose with anything, like by the time anyone else sees it, you're, bored with it yeah (laughs) enjoying now the first couple of minutes of the complete history of dodgeball episode one dodgeball was the game that made america it separated the boys from the men if you wanted to know which of the male students were not going to have sex in high school this was the way to find out this is dodgeball presented by ben kearns the story of dodgeball is the story of america The roots of the game are in dispute. Some say it started out as a pastoral game that farmhands played on breaks from fieldwork. Others say it derived from the the turn-of-the-century tradition of throwing beets at the Irish. But the prevailing wisdom is that it began in 1839 in Buckettstown, New York, with an immigrant named Johannes Doppeltag. Or as he was known to the people of Buckettstown, Dodgy Joe. Dodgy Joe was an interesting guy. He had left Munich at the age of 52 to make a new life in America. He found his niche working as a gym teacher at the Buckettstown Schoolhouse, making him one of the first gym teachers in American history. Like all gym teachers, Dodger Joe was a heavy drinker. He would often come into school hungover or still drunk from the night before. He would complain about headaches or the ear-piercing screams of demons. And at that time, he couldn't just put on a film strip to avoid working. He needed a way to get through the work week. And that's when he came up with an innovation that would help hungover gym teachers for years to come. One August day, after the students came in from a day of intense child labor, Johannes was leading the traditional prayer in school. Student, 13-year-old Neville Nibbets, started talking in class. Johannes grabbed a 15-pound medicine ball and threw it full force at Neville, hitting him in the nose, then again at the eyes, then again the broken fragments of his skull. While the children were horrified, as you can imagine, Little Neville just laid on the ground, his head completely crushed under the weight of a flying medicine ball. His once developing brain now a series of goopy puddles painting the gymnasium floor. It was the most violent death that the children had seen in several hours. 
something that I've been thinking about lately, and I, I want to get your take on this with regards to what you said mm-hmm. about going over it and over it in your mind before you even get to the next phase, which is like, yeah. whether it's frequency or channel, we record our stuff, we get the actors, we, we record the lines, and then we edit and add sound mm-hmm. and all this. As we all know, there's a finite amount of time to make a show. Yeah. And you have to live with it by the time you pitch it and see what happens. You have to be okay with applying the things that you're learning and getting better at to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Yes. Whereas in any other project, most likely all of those that we don't even finish, we'll keep agonizing over the same project until that dies in our hearts. I don't, I don't know if there's a right way. Sometimes there's a beauty in taking a long time to craft one thing. But there's an exquisite beauty that's still new to me. And I, I don't know how new it is for you. But like with the one-to-one process, three, four weeks, mm-hmm. let it go. Yeah. Let it be, as it were. What's your feeling on that? Well, you know, when, I'm, when I wrote, edited, and submitted the first episode of Dodgeball, I had heard it so many times over and over again that, you know, like it lost its value. It's value to me in this sort of I actually started writing a different script which I know you read the how the Ed covered up Christmas which I'm hoping to yeah. make someday and I wrote all four episodes of that and I got so excited about that that I kind of forgot about <laughs> dodgeball you may not believe this but when it came time to vote I was so convinced that dodgeball wasn't very good I didn't even vote for it the very first episode <laughs> No, and no. then we got when we got first place. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, like you couldn't even just give yourself like the I need at least one of my votes by my side vote. Yeah, I think I voted for Ghosters, uh, Stripper Squad, which are, are my two favorite shows right now. I love those shows so much. Enter the Dark and probably Ash Shitter. Those were the ones I voted for. Nice. I did not vote for Dodgeball, <laughs> at least the first time. Ever since then, I voted for myself every time. <laughs> Nice. When you do look back on episode one, you're on episode four now. Yeah. Working working on episode four at this moment of recording this podcast. Mm-hmm. As you get better, like how do you look back on the earlier thing? Do you feel cringe? Do you are you just happy that you made something? What? Yeah, I think I'm just happy I made it, and that it's out there and that people like it. I think that's. I, I guess I really wasn't expecting that. I, I think part of that kind of goes back when to. You know, the process of how it got made, because you've seen our Discord. We are we are the frequency upstart something cabal. Yeah. I can't remember what it is. Fuck. It spells <laughs> fuck. <laughs> uh, by the way, if you are one of the people who knows me as Mr. Ruska, you're going to want to turn this off. Uh, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, the whole process of how it got made. It was funny. I actually went down to take a walk in a park that was that uh, is nearby. And I went to put my headphones on. I went to pull them out of my pocket and they weren't there. So I was just kind of trapped with my own thoughts, <laughs> thinking about, okay, well, I know that Luke and uh, Tommy created this little, uh, this little Discord server for us. And do I have any ideas? What could I think of? And then eventually I, I came up with Ken Burns Star Wars was my first thought. And then the first thing I thought after that was there's no way a million people haven't already done Ken Burns yeah. Star Wars. A humble <laughs> farm on Tatooine. Yeah. <laughs> then I was like, okay, well, what else is he known for besides Civil War? He's known for Ken Burns Baseball, which is a really great documentary if you like baseball. 
Yeah. And I was like, what if, what if I replaced, replaced baseball with some sort of childhood game? And I came up with like Ken Burns presents Candyland. And uh, nice. <laughs> eventually I landed on dodgeball and the, and the idea just kind of got in my mind of here's dodgy Joe. Uh, this guy who um, he uh, kind of stumbled on this playground game, which really what happened was he was trying to get away with murder, which he apparently had done before. And that's just the, the ideas and the more absurdity just kind of came out of it just from that little walk that I took. And uh, I went right home and I wrote the script. It was the second script that I've ever written, actually, <laughs> because I never written a script before. And then I put it on that Discord server thinking, I don't know, maybe someone will read it. Maybe it'll get made. Maybe it'll be nothing. But at least I can say that I wrote something. Right. And uh, I was so fortunate to have uh, Keegan Funk found our Discord server through Shrob Home Video, which is kind of how all this started. And he said, hey, I'm, I'm interested in acting. I got friends who are interested in acting. We like your script. Uh, let's make this show. And, you know, I really have him to thank for it, which, by the way, look out for Keegan, Alex and Connor. They've got some really cool stuff coming down the pipe, too. So I don't want to talk about it because it's their thing, but uh, they're working on some one on one stuff. And I'm really excited about it. Nice. More more Canadian representation for you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really hoping for people to Uh, get the word out about Canada. We are a country. Right above you guys. Uh, been here, been here the whole time. And Sophie Buddy, another actor that's that's that was also Keegan. He he was one that made that happen. Uh, Sophie was interested in um, doing some voice acting, and uh, Keegan reached out to her and said, "Hey, we're part of this little show right now on on one on one." And then she, and then he messaged me saying, "Hey, I've got this comedian. Can we put her in this show?" And the whole thing about Doswell is you can just kind of piecemeal together. That's that's one of the great things about it is you can just if you re, if you read a Dodgeball script it's usually narrator and then historian one historian two historian three you just plug in any voice for that which makes it a lot easier to do when um, Sophie joined I was just told I have a comedian who wants to be part of the show and she likes the show and I thought okay here's someone who makes comedy their entire profession and she thinks the show is interesting and funny and one that's really flattering and two. Yeah, bring her on. And then I Googled her. <laughs> oh, you are way overqualified for this. <laughs> and she just, like, just weeks ago, she was on James Corden doing national TV in the, in the U.S. And it kind of felt like a little bit of a coup that we somehow got her to agree to do this. But she's been fantastic. She's really funny. And I'm excited that she's on board. Nice. I love how Frequency 101 is, uh, can be piecemeal. Like yeah. None of us can get more than one person in a room for the most part, and uh, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. I think the process suffers a little bit because there's an experience that we don't get to have, at least not at this time. Did, what happened to Dodgeball and COVID? What happened to Dodgeball and COVID? Yeah, I, I just mean... thought I'd make a left turn and then pass the ball to you. <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't even know any of this existed, honestly, until just not too long ago. I mean, I, I knew about Channel 101 by its reputation. I didn't really know uh, too much of the show. I knew House of Cosby's because there was a period a few years ago, I think like when season two of Rick and Morty was out where I was obsessed with Rick and Morty. And I went and looked up some of the earlier projects and found House of Cosby's. Uh, right, right. I didn't really know too much of 101 beyond that. I think really what happened was... 
Shrug on video. I got into that. And, um, you know, there's this one day I'm sitting alone in quarantine and this is early on in, you know, March, 2020, uh, the schools are shut down. I have no idea what's going to happen with my job. Um, I mean, I know I was fortunate enough to know that I was going to have a job, right. but I didn't know what that was going to look like. And, you know, eventually had to do the teaching through Zoom, which was, um, I'm not even going to get into that. But <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't really a lot to look forward to. And then one day I randomly see a, an Instagram post by Rob Straub that says, I'm showing this cheesy B sci fi horror movie called Sinjinor on my website. No. Nice. <laughs> And uh, I checked it out and it was Shock Feature Theater and there was a little chat there. That chat eventually became the Schraub Home Video Discord. And I started meeting all these people from around the world. Uh, one of them was uh, Luke O'Hearn, who you all know as Motherfucker. Right, right, uh, right. One of them was Tommy Front, who uh, just won Freaky for uh, his artwork on episode three. And we're all really excited for him. Um, the two of them created the Discord uh, server. And uh, what was really cool about it was you have all these really creative people, these really talented people who are really good at, you know, some particular things. You know, Luke is so good with with music and with soundscapes. Tom is like our in-house artist, you know, then Keegan came along and he's got his group of of actors that he can, he can rely on at any point. And um we got so many more people on that Discord too. Who some of them actually came in from 101, who are just like looking at our, our operation and saying, "Oh, let's these guys got a good organizational system. Let's be part of that." Um, and we got more people. I'm trying to get more people in from Schwab Home Video, who I know are really talented. <laughs> like we have video game artists on Schwab Home Video. I'm trying to say, like, "Hey, you want to do some animation?" <laughs> like, <laughs> we basically have assembled this army of really talented nerds who just. Uh, they're they're all really good at some sort of artistic capacity and being able to kind of use them and bring them in on this. It, you know, it's really exciting. So far, you know, we've we've got one show in prime time. We're trying to get more. This is a hostile th- fucking takeover. We're <laughs> we're <laughs> um, I, I I completely got off the rails here. I completely forgot what your question was, but we're <laughs> <laughs> passionate about this. Enjoy now another clip from this, The Complete History of Dodgeball, Episode 2. This is Dodgeball, presented by Ben Kearns. Dodgeball had come a long way from its humble beginnings as an alibi for child murder. It had spread throughout the nation through word of mouth and through the expansion of the United States. In 1836, a missionary named Dr. Marcus Whitman traveled west to bring Christianity and Dodgeball to the Native Americans. Nine years later... They killed him and burned down his house. In 1848, the first known all-woman game of dodgeball took place prior to the Seneca Falls Convention for Women's Voting Rights. Elizabeth Cady Stanton broke three noses that day. As the 1800s grew to a close, activists of the so-called temperance movement sought to rid the world of social evils. Those evils were alcohol and dodgeball. Even school textbooks were filled with anti-dodgeball propaganda. It only takes one game of dodgeball to ruin your life! 
Dodgeball will lead to sexual promiscuity. Young teenage boys who play dodgeball will only end up having constant sexual relations with several women, even three or four at a time. You will be constantly surrounded by ladies of ill repute who will want nothing more than access to your nether regions and precious manly seed. Don't do it! Geometry textbook, 1894. The groundswell of support led to the ratification of the 18th Amendment in 1919. A year later, the Roaring Twenties began with the prohibition of drink and dodgeball. Despite the intentions of the temperance movement, they were unable to stop dodgeball. Instead, they drove it underground. That was when many self-described entrepreneurs took the mantle of bootlegging dodgeball games. You know, as for, you know, what inspires me creatively, I think it's just, I have always throughout my entire life had some really weird ideas that I've always wanted to turn into stories. And, you know, this is back when I was thinking about, you know, maybe becoming a writer as a career, before, you know, before all that imploded, which I'm not going to get into that. Um, but next time, no, I'm <laughs> Every once in a while, I just have this really strange idea just come in my head. Part of it was uh, right before uh, last summer, right, right before uh, our school went out for our last summer break, there was this article in uh, The New Yorker it was an interview with John Swartzwelder, the Simpsons writer, who, and I'm a massive Simpsons fan. If you know anything about John Swartzwelder, he does not do interviews. So reading this interview was like, was like gold. One of the things he said was when he would write an episode of the Simpsons, he would just sit down and just write the entire first draft and just sit there for hours and hours and hours until the first draft was done. And once the first draft is done, then the hardest part is out of the way. I kind of internalize that because I've always had these little ideas for stories that I think that can be really fun and really cool. I just never sat down and wrote them. Here comes this one-on-one influence. You know, watching the best of one-on-one every Sunday as part of Strob Home Video. And as much as I talk about being an underground, you know, people like Aaron and Savon and Abed and Rob and Kate and, you know, Mike Chillian and all those uh, really great creators do inspire us in a really big way. Seeing that maybe kind of revisit some of those ideas. Right. Then reading that article said to me, just write it down. It's only going to be five minutes long. If you have some sort of idea that you think is going to be like some sort of long novel sort of thing, I had this idea. You know, one of the scripts that I have on that Discord is uh, kind of a parody of Friday the 13th. But the difference is instead of one Jason, it's an entire army of Jasons. Um, <laughs> and we're hoping to make that, you know, sometime later this year, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed. And I've, I've had that idea percolating for years and years and years now. I just never wrote it down. And then I thought, OK, here's a here's a way that I can get that idea out there. But at first I have to just sit down and just start writing it. Right. It doesn't matter if it's good. All that matters is if it's done because I can change it later. And once I have that, I start getting more ideas. And, you know, I have all these just really stupid ideas that I just write them down. And some of those scripts that I put up there, I look at them and I think, 
you know, that's not very good. Maybe I might change it later, but I'll probably just scrap it. And some of those scripts that I've written, I just say, man, I just kind of like, I can't wait to get to get to this. The, the Christmas one is one that I have been just dying to to start making, but I, I really just want to do one show at a time right now. <laughs> <laughs> I really dig that. I think anyone, whether they identify as a writer or not, if they're writing to make a frequency show, yeah. which I am, I'm not a writer, but I think the thing that I was lucky enough to get an award for is the thing that I'm good at, but I want to write because yeah. you yeah. have those, uh, it's the same that you have those ideas and you're just like, yeah. you don't want the idea to just stay in your head. You want to get it out there somehow. Yeah. It's, and it's a great vehicle for the ideas that I do have. And I don't care if anyone else is listening. Are you listening to this? Sorry. But, <laughs> but like Aaron, like you're a strong writer who's only going to get better each passing day. And I'm not a writer, but I love the idea of applying some stuff that I'm good at to the work of someone who who can write and yeah. writes and gets those ideas because when when you say like you know i just get these weird ideas that's a fucking blessing for everybody yeah <laughs> that's a blessing yeah, for me and i don't think uh i don't think i would need to hear another show written by you to know that i would love to to work with you on something well i, I definitely want to bring you in on some of the more ambitious stuff for sure like i said dodgeball is perfect for within my, for working within my limitations. And part of those limitations were I had no idea what the hell I was doing. You know, uh, the first time I joined a zoom call with the cast um, and they're all in Vancouver. So and they're all, it's really easy for them to all work together, you know, except for Sophie, she's quite always on the road. So she's got to phone her lines in. Um, I'm going to rephrase that. <laughs> she's got to bring her lines in. <laughs> So you're saying she's half-assing it. <laughs> nah, okay. No, I do not want to make that implication <laughs> at all. No, it's a fine out. Sophie was, Sophie was the MVP of episode three. Like that <laughs> that true crime voice was just perfect. Part of it, when, when I did that first Zoom call with them, uh, they were like, uh, so how do you want me to read this? And I was like, look at the paper and you know, read the words yeah. and, and they were, they were looking for direction. And I was like, I'm not, I don't know what the <laughs> hell I'm supposed to do. Here. Uh, you know, now we're four episodes in and I kind of have this, this stronger idea of, okay, this is how I want it to sound. I want, I want you to read it like this. And I might, I want you to try, you can be a little bit silly here, you know, you can improvise a little bit there. I'm getting a little stronger at that. I'm still not a good director. <laughs> That's one of the things about dodgeballs. You don't really need to be. <laughs> Whereas when we get to one of the other ideas, I'm going to have to really up my game and make sure that my cast knows exactly what I want and how I want it done. One thing that's nice is just how cool they are about that, about they, that they know that I'm, I'm not necessarily a director, that I'm, I'm the writer, mm -hmm. but um, you know, the writing is going to get better every time, hopefully. And then everything else, you know, Dodgeball really was the, the best first show for me to just kind of ease my way in before I start doing something more ambitious. I've, I've listened to it a few times. It's really nice to listen to. I don't, I don't know if you're like, maybe, maybe you need more time away from it to appreciate how enjoyable it is to have on. Once you know what happens, you don't need to pay as sharp attention to it. Like having a documentary that you really like played yeah. back. I don't know how many nuts out there watch the same documentaries over again, <laughs> if they really like one, but I'm one of those nuts. And so it's the same. <laughs> Dodgeball is that, but it, it also makes me laugh and it's, and, it, and it's fun because it's secrets out, not a real documentary. Um, <laughs> 
No, it turns out uh, there, there was no German trying to cover up a murder uh, in order to make Doswell. So, <laughs> and also Scooby and the gang. <laughs> What you were saying before, too, thank you to all of the actors that us non-directors have worked with for teaching us how to direct. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. This. Genuinely, I'm a fan of Dodgeball, and I can't wait. Thank I you. can't. I mean, I, I'm I, a fan of bad. I think it's a great show. Well, episode two is OK. Uh, episode <laughs> one doesn't make as much sense as it does in my head. I think it's kind of part of the fun of just frequency in general is you, you have that yeah. limitation. You can't you can't do a visual. The only visual you have is your poster, but having to work within that limitation, as especially someone who who is really good at sound design like yourself, that can be kind of part of the fun as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I'm yeah. Let's talk about collaboration. It not only allows you to be like, it's it's more fun. How yeah, is it more? It is. Fun? It's, how is it more fun for you? For me, it's conversations and being a part of something with other people. It's also a cure for writer's block. <laughs> If everything goes according to plan, you know, because we're as of, as of the taping, we're working on episode four. We're trying to do six, six episodes, and then the the six episodes is gonna be a big blowout finale. I wasn't sure where I was gonna go with episode five. Six, I already knew. Five, I didn't know. Connor had this really brilliant idea, which I, I don't want to I don't want to spoil it, but it was actually right after the freaky nominations came out. We went on a Zoom call. And Connor was telling me about this idea that he had. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's a great idea. And this morning, I actually uh, went on a walk without my headphones <laughs> and grabbed a little pad and pen and started, like, writing out that episode, which whether or not we get to make that, I mean, if I have my way, we're going to make it no matter no matter what, whether we get picked up for five and six Please um, do. or not, because... I just really want to wrap this up nicely and make it, you know, it's like how, how Yacht Rock, which is by far my favorite one-on-one show, uh, <laughs> um, they got canceled and they still made their finale anyway. Like the collaborative process is obviously that part really helps out with, for me, for at least when I'm out of ideas, someone else has some sort of crazy idea, like a little kernel of an idea that sometimes we'll we'll talk it through together how we want to do it or sometimes it's just that little tiny little nugget of an idea is enough for me to just start pounding the script away of course there's always the fact that i'm not a visual artist i can't do that sort of thing i mean i I probably could after years and years of practice but i really don't have the patience for that but tommy and keegan as well keegan's also a really good artist they can do that you, you have all these people that have their different strengths and weaknesses. And when you have that collaborative process, you get to bring all of them together and you get to make the best thing you can possibly make because everybody is good at something and they can bring something to the table. I don't know why this is not professional. When you said everyone has their strengths and weaknesses, you're using the right words. And I was like, in my brain, I was kind of, oh, he means surpluses and deficits because <laughs> I drink motor oil and I get plugged in at night. What's up, buddies? Kayla here, host of the podcast Screen Vomit, which is a movie podcast for geeks and freaks of all kinds, breaking down films from the last 10 years, joined by people in various aspects of the entertainment industry, including musicians, filmmakers, and even several 101ers that y'all know and love, including, but not limited to, Alex Kavitsky, Anna Saragina, and even Todd Donald himself. 
I love movies, you love movies, I've never met a 101-er who doesn't know what a movie is, but even if you don't, maybe you'll learn a few things, so check it out, Screen Vomit, wherever you find your podcasts. Dear listener, you can hear the fourth episode of The Complete History of Dodgeball tomorrow by listening to the Frequency 101 podcast. Right now, here's the opening two minutes of Episode 3. This is Dodgeball, presented by Ben Kearns. The 60s were a time of war and radically changing ideas. But throughout this time, there was one thing that stayed the same. America's game. Dodgeball. Our story brings us to 1969 where a rural town was being ravaged by unknowable menace, one that seemed to exist only in myth, one only known as the Dodgeball Monster. Must be the season of the witch. Must be the season of the witch, yeah. Must be the season of the witch. The Dodgeball Monster was considered an urban legend in the little town of Basalt, Michigan, but... Its story still resonates today, which makes me wonder, what was the dodgeball monster? Was it an elaborate hoax meant to scare the people of basalt? Or was there a supernatural power at play? On this episode of True Dodgeball Crime. Wait, what? We explore the history and mystery behind the dodgeball monster. Basalt was home to the largest rubber ball factory in America. It had a lucrative contract with Dow Chemical to mass-produce high-quality dodgeballs. But with the game's seedy reputation, Dow pulled its contract in 1965, leaving the factory and the town desolate. Dow CEO Richard Munnington had this to say at the time. We have no issues with the town of Basalt, but we think it is in our company's best interest to move away from such a controversial game and focus on our napalm production. Try as they might, the city could not drum up business in their factory. It was quickly abandoned, and its owner, some old man named Ratcliffe, soon disappeared. Like, like I said, I was a, very much a latecomer to this. Um, I loved Community um, when it was on. I followed all the drama of, of the behind-the-scenes stuff with Chevy and yeah, and and <laughs> and all that. Which every time I, I'm pretty sure I binge watched Community like five times, and every time I think to myself, it's too bad there was so much drama there because Chevy was great on that show. <laughs> he was so good. You know, getting canceled, uncanceled, then Yahoo. And of course, I actually did Yahoo screen for several months because it was the only way to watch season six. Directed by Shrub. Yeah, which Shrub directed. Season six was also really good. Um, Fuck yeah. And then, you know, it was around, like I said, it was around the time I was getting obsessed with Rick and Morty where I started getting into Harmontown. Then I started seeing some of these faces, these, you know, the one on one faces that pop up every now and then. And of course, Shrub. I keep circling back to Shrub Home Video, but that's really kind of the genesis of how all this started was was just us getting there on, on Shrub Home Video. I don't want to lump you in with me if you take this wrong, but I get the sense that you and I, if we only lived in the same city and knew each other, we would have had someone to share all of this with because yeah. we are nerds that seem <laughs> to gravitate towards this very specific 
LA comedy scene, that whole world, Schraub, Harmon. And it's like this second wave, if you consider the first wave being like Mr. Show. Yeah. And and Bob and David and Jack Black and Paul F. Tompkins and all that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just farted a bunch there. <laughs> I, I would love Leave to. It in. <laughs> What's that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> The people want to see how the sausage gets made <laughs> or hear it. So, something sexual and well-crafted in reaction to what you just said. Um, <laughs> what are, what, 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 what are you buzzing about? Before we were on, I was just watching the racer crash marathon. That really opened my eyes to a lot of stuff that I was unfamiliar with. I didn't know who Beach House was, and I wasn't really listening to Boards of Canada. You know, Racer Trash is that's another one of those things that really kind of inspired yeah. me creatively. Uh, the, the laptop and microphone that I'm using right now, uh, I got that with my stimulus check months ago just so I can have something that I can do creative stuff with. And then I got music software and I got a little MIDI controller and stuff like that. I'm not really a musician myself, um, it's just kind of fun to have. It's just kind of like the 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 urge to just create something kind of came out of that that whole scene. It's very sad to see that uh, Racer Trash is ending. Um, and you know, if you haven't checked it out, please make sure you do. I'm talking to the general podcast listener. Uh, <laughs> and uh, one of the things that definitely inspired Dodgeball was, like I said, I was was John Schwartzwelder. I read a couple of his books over the summer the uh, uh, Frank Burley books and a lot of the, the language that that's in those books really inspired some of the, the jokes in dodgeball. Like I'm, I think there's a direct line between some of the, some of the humor in that and the line, uh, his brain is series of goopy puddles uh, painting the gymnasium floor, which is my favorite line of the entire series so far. That's the one I'm proud, most proud of. Nice. Uh, so yeah, yeah, racer trash for sure. Um, you know, I always go back to The Simpsons just in general. You know, that's not really a lately thing, but that's always just kind of been like one of my main inspirations in terms of humor. Oh, a yeah. uh, little Sims record. Uh, sometimes I might be introvert. I thought that was really great. Was doing a lot of Kate Bush lately. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's kind of all over the place. Just I don't know if you're this way too, but remember magazines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to read Mad. Mad, yes. Oh, shit. Back when um, I was in middle school, I got in trouble for it once because there was a picture of... Uh, the, the cover had a picture of Alfred E. Newman's ass. So, and we were reading oh. on the bus and they're like, they're reading pornographic material back there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. uh, this uh, happened I, in Portland? This was uh, also Eastern Oregon. I'm not going to say where. Okay. <laughs> but like, yeah, like... Depending on the magazine, I don't even know. Maybe I flipped through all of them as a kid. Maybe it was Cosmo. I don't know. But whether it's just a person or like a person that you recognize, they'll have like a picture and a little bit of a Q&A. Maybe a quarter of the page was dedicated to my favorite things right now. And it yeah. had an image of an album and a movie poster and stuff like that. There was something about just connecting on the what they're into right now visually yeah. that offered a stimuli maybe inspired me to go, oh, what is that album they like right now? I want to connect with it. In your case, some Kate Bush. Um, if it works out for you sometime, I hope that you'll do this again without the podcast. Sure. Um, but I also feel like if no pandemic and distance, 
were the case, like we are people that would have already known each other and and had coffee and 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 tossed scripts, uh, traded scripts or something. And that's just coming out of the fact that, like, yeah, this was really nice getting to chat with you. And I am subscribed. It was. Thank you. And I appreciate that. I'm subscribed to whatever you do uh, as a listener, as a fan, uh, someone who would love to work with you sometime. And I encourage all of you out there. Some of you are too cool for school and uh, you haven't brushed up on your frequency or you you simply haven't heard dodgeball yet, which is even more specific crime in this moment. And so I urge you to check it out. Links will all be provided in the episode notes. Uh, and on that Aaron note, Ruska, is it Ruska? Ruska, yes. Okay, God damn it! I was, but I was saying it for the first time out loud. <laughs> Aaron Ruska, gentleman, and a genius. Uh, I, I was, you know, on that note, the SoundCloud. Make sure you check out all the frequency because there's some amazing stuff. There's some really great storytelling, and get involved. You know, that's one of the great things about it is um, you don't even need a camera. You can bring something to the table and there are people who are ready to work with you. So just get in. Get get involved because people both want like the odd help thing on. uh, And then there's the frequency upstart creation cabal, which is very specifically like we can make a show together. We can all make a show together. Tommy uh, will create a thread for your project. Mm -hmm. There's no reason that you shouldn't like either try it on your own or come to this community immediately and start making stuff. You think you can make something better than fucking dodgeball? Prove it, dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) Said with love, said with love and affection and encouraging vibes. I don't know. I think I should cancel this podcast. Uh, Not this one, but like the whole thing. Yeah, thank you for your work and thank you for your thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks for just chatting and we'll absolutely do this again off the record. This podcast features music used with permission from the Hollow Scene EP by Postmodern Machine. Available wherever you get bandcamp.com, but please visit postmodernmachine.com. This has been Primetime Flies, a Channel 101 podcast hosted by Todd Donald. Thanks for listening. <laughs>